What a joy and gift it is to be here with you today at Athens First UMC. I am so delighted to get to begin our journey together. I want to go ahead and pause and tell you something I told Ryan just before service, and Callie doesn't know I'm going to say this, but I told Ryan, how dare you have her sing like that on my first Sunday? Do you know how hard it is to follow that? Thank you, Callie. That was a beautiful, beautiful way to begin our time and our season and our years together of ministry. I don't think words can encapsulate how excited and how blessed my husband and I feel to be a part of this congregation and a part of his congregation. Uh, Montana, yes, like the state, that's my husband's name, Montana. And I have already felt so welcomed by you. We have received warm notes of welcome, emails, some delicious baked goods. In fact, just before the 9.30 service, I was walking over here and, and someone stopped me and said, I didn't know that you were already starting. I meant to bake you something. I guess I missed the opportunity. And I just want to let you know, if that's something that's burdening your heart this morning, <laughs> there is still time because that is the kind of kind of pastor I am. In all seriousness, it has already been wonderful to be welcomed by you, and we are truly looking forward to the weeks, months, and years ahead. In many ways, coming to Athens is sort of like a homecoming for Montana and me. We are both University of Georgia grads, and so we are well aware that we have returned to the holy city, the classic city. Athens holds for us some of our greatest memories and also some of our greatest dreams. It was here in this city that we fell in love, that we got engaged, that we planned for our future together. It was here in Athens that I began to work out what it meant to be called into full-time ministry. Perhaps more importantly than all of that, it was here in this city that I learned how to call the dogs, how to appreciate well-kept hedges, and the importance of a strong bell ring. And so I'm delighted to be home here with you. When Jeremy first shared with me the sermon series that we would be taking a part in in this month of July, I was really excited by this concept of summer favorites, where we as a clergy get to share with you some of our favorite scripture. And so in my mind, all of these scriptures started to pop in different ideas of what I might be able to share with you this morning. Words like from Acts, when Paul was speaking to a crowd and he began with men and women of Athens. Or perhaps from Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12. This is from the New Living Translation. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but together a group can stand back to back and conquer. Better translated, in my opinion, the NNT, if you will, the New Natalie Translation, Perhaps we might think something like back-to-back -back champions ready to conquer once again. But of course, my Hebrew is a little bit rusty. So instead of starting with all of that, I figure we should really start with one of my very favorite scriptures. This morning, I want to share with you from Psalm 103. This psalm is incredibly meaningful to me because it's the scripture in this Bible that I was reading when I first experienced my call to ministry. Psalm 103 for me encapsulates who God is and who we are. It is a psalm of hope, of celebration, of promise, and of forgiveness. It is a psalm that recognizes difficulty and faith in God no matter the circumstances around us. 
Psalm 103 is a scripture, I believe, for us all, no matter where you find yourself in life. And so hear now these words from Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all of your sins and heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and with compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all of the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on us. For he knows how we're formed. He remembers that we are dust. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty one who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all you heavenly host, you servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So there I was sitting in the heat of a Ugandan summer, sitting under this expansive tree where it had become my habit each day to sit and to read scripture from this Bible. On this particular day, I looked out on everything around me. I felt the coolness of the slight breeze on my face, I listened to the kids as they ran around and played, the older students talking about what was going on in their lives, the younger kids squealing on the swing set. You could hear the sound of, of one of the groups beginning to practice their song for worship later that evening. I'd begun to notice over the past several weeks that I just thought as I looked at the sky that it was a bit more blue than it was at home. The clouds a bit fluffier. And as far as my eye could see, I was mesmerized. Mesmerized by the joy and the movement and the life and the good and this feeling of warmth, not just from the summer, but this feeling of warmth from the inside of my very soul. I began to reflect on how it was that I arrived at that point, that spot, that tree in my life. I began to think about how a random chance encounter with a United Methodist pastor one night at UGA Wesley had landed me here, in a moment that I knew I was exactly where I was supposed to be. We all know how rare those moments are. 
when we know that we know that we know that we're right where we're supposed to be doing exactly what it is we are supposed to be doing. And I was overwhelmed by that feeling and by a deep sense of gratitude for that moment. So I breathed deeply and I opened my Bible and it just sort of fell open to Psalm 103 and I began to read, praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. And I'm not sure a more perfect sentence could have existed that encapsulated how I was feeling in that moment. And so I kept reading. And I was mesmerized by this account that I found of who God was, and it was my favorite parts of the goodness of God. How he's compassionate and gracious, how he's slow to anger and abounding in love, how he's forgiving, so forgiving. How he's concerned for justice and caring for those who are oppressed. How he's present and available and loving and kind and everlasting. And I read this scripture over and over and over again, completely absorbed in this psalm. I was struck by how someone like me, someone thousands of years after David had written this psalm, could feel the exact way he did about God. But I was also struck by this repeating phrase, praise the Lord, O my soul. And I knew in that exact moment what was next for me. It's hard to explain even now, years later. But for me in that moment, praising the Lord with all of my soul meant that I was being called into full-time ministry. And this call ultimately meant letting go of a lot of what I thought my life was going to be and was going to look like. It was like watching all of these pieces of a puzzle finally fit together just right, and I could see the full picture. Have you ever had a moment like that, where all of the pieces just fit? Maybe it's when you met your spouse. Maybe it's when your first child was born. Maybe it's when you finally got that job that set your soul on fire. Maybe it's when you watch the dogs win a second national championship. I don't know, just a moment where all of the pieces fit. Or maybe you're still waiting for that moment. The thing that I love about Psalm 103 is that it shows us what a perfect, finished puzzle piece looks like. The one where the hundreds of pieces in the box finally fit together all correctly. It shows us a glimpse of a world with, with no pain and no suffering, where life can be experienced to the fullest, where we are set free from our biggest hurts and our biggest hangups, a world where we are no longer held back by our habits or our hatreds. It shows us a world that we all long for. Listen to some of these words once again. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all of your sins, who heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and with compassion, 
who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles, who works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Doesn't this sound like a beautiful, perfect picture? If we're honest, maybe it's a little too perfect. At first glance, it seems wonderful, doesn't it? But the more we sit with it and the more we start to think about the language found within it, we start to think about some of the words that are used. The words like all, who forgives all of your sins, who heals all of your diseases. And for some of us this morning, we feel like all, all of our mistakes, all of our transgressions, all of our sins would be just too great to receive full forgiveness for. For some of us this morning, we hear the words like, heals all of your diseases. And we wonder why we are still sitting with a diagnosis or why our loved one is still sick. Then we start to think about the other parts of the scripture. And we wonder if in our lifetime we will truly ever see justice for all who are oppressed. Or we read the words like youth being renewed like the eagles, all the while we feel the bones in our very body getting more brittle by the day. We hear about redeeming our lives from the pit, but the bottom of that pit for some of us feels like it's coming closer and closer to us with every passing moment. And in the reality of those experiences, I think that is why Psalm 103 exists. To remind us of what we hope for, of what we believe in, of what we know to be true about God. I think that Psalm 103 is meant to stand in the ugly realities that we experience, not to deny their existence, but to remind us of the faith and of the hope and of the trust that we can have in God. So often these words of Scripture pass us by without us really taking the time to notice them to allow them to resonate within our spirit. So often we come here to church and we we sing the familiar hymns and we say the familiar prayers and we listen to the familiar scriptures and we let it all go by. And we miss the promise and the beauty. And I think that's what Psalm 103 exists to do, to remind us of who God is and who we are, even in the realness of our life and our own struggles. A lot for me has changed since I first read these words and since I first experienced that calling into ministry. After that moment of all the pieces fitting together, a couple months later when I arrived home, I realized there were a lot of other pieces I had not quite accounted for. There are still pieces today that I'm trying to figure out what to do with. And I think if we're all honest, all of our lives are a little like that. Holding all of these pieces in a puzzle, just doing our best to make the most beautiful picture that we can. But I do have a confession for you. To be honest, 
I really hate puzzles. <laughs> I am not a puzzle person. A Sudoku, maybe. Crosswords, great. But jigsaw puzzles, I hate them. Folks in my life really do love them. In fact, if you come to my house, you'll probably see a puzzle out on the table being worked on, and you can rest assured I have not placed a single piece of that puzzle together. But throughout the years, I have met a lot of people who love puzzles. I think that's actually the majority. And I've heard from you all a, a story or two about perhaps a very challenging puzzle or maybe a puzzle that you almost finished only to find you were missing a piece or two. In fact, I heard a story once of a man who was completely stumped by a puzzle that he was trying to start. And so he did what all great men do when they don't know what to do next. He called on his wife. And he called to her from the next room and he said, can you please come and help me? I can't even figure out how to get this puzzle started. And she called back from the other room and asked him, well, what's it supposed to even look like? He shouts back, well, according to this box, it's supposed to look like a tiger. So the wife decides to go over. She goes into the next room. She starts to help him with the puzzle. The husband carefully shows where he spread out all the pieces and the box that it's supposed to look like. She studies it all for a while, and then she turns to her husband and says, Dear, I'm afraid that no matter what we do, we're not going to be able to assemble these pieces to look like that picture. And so he was disappointed and frustrated, and she took his hands, and she said, Secondly, dear, I want you to relax and take a deep breath, and we'll put all of these frosted flakes back into their box. <laughs> Sometimes life is like that. <laughs> you think you are working on one thing. You think your life is going in one direction. You think you have it all figured out, and you realize all you have in your hands is a bunch of frosted flakes. <laughs> I've also learned something else recently about puzzles that I bet many of you know. This was very surprising information to me. I was talking with a congregant several months ago who was sharing that she had just spent the last week working on this giant puzzle only to get to the night before and realize she was missing two pieces. Now, as a non-puzzle person, that would be enough to push me over the proverbial edge. And I talked with her about it wouldn't make you crazy enough just to want to sit there and count out and make sure that you have all 1,000 pieces to work with. It was then that she told me this little fact I had no idea, that jigsaw puzzle companies actually round to the nearest hundred when listing the number of puzzle pieces on the box. For example, a 1,000 puzzle piece more likely has about 1,026 puzzle pieces. A 500-piece puzzle more likely has 513. Y'all, this is problematic information to me. <laughs> Why, why, I asked her, why, why would we put 1,000 pieces on the box if we knew it's 1,026, or 500 on the box if it's 513, and as I continue to get worked up like I am now, <laughs> she could see how frustrated I was, and she put her hand on her shoulder, and she said, that would be nice, wouldn't it, Natalie? But life is never quite that tidy, is it? 
but it's still wonderful to participate in. I think in this we find the point of Psalm 103. Life can be a little maddening at times. It's never quite perfect. Sometimes we find ourselves with too few pieces. Sometimes we find ourselves with pieces that no matter how hard we try, they just don't fit quite right together. And sometimes we've lost the pieces altogether. And so if you're like me, where sometimes life isn't all that perfect, I want to remind you today that that does not change the nature of who God is and the hope that we have in the Lord. So I keep returning to this psalm. It keeps being one of my favorites because it reminds me of what we hope for and what we believe. It reminds us of what this world is in desperate need of and how we serve a God that is willing and is ready to meet those needs and that we get to be a part of that work. This psalm reminds us that when the world is full of hate and contention, we get to be vessels of compassion and of grace. When the world is full of anger, we get to be abounding in love. When people seek to judge, we get to seek to understand. When the advice is an eye for an eye, we get to turn the other cheek. When the world is set on making sure every mistake is remembered and every flaw is pointed out, we get to cast fear of failure aside and embrace each other like a loving father embraces his child. And we get to do this because of the God that we serve. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. He is slow to anger and abounding in love. He does not treat us as we deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is God's love for you. For you. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on you. So I will praise the Lord, O oh my soul. I hope we will praise the Lord. Even when the puzzle pieces don't fit quite right, even when there's too many or too few, I hope we will choose to praise the Lord. So Athens first, over the next several weeks, months, and years, I really hope I get to spend a lot of time hearing about the puzzles that are your life about the ones that are fitting together perfectly and the ones that aren't quite right. And I hope that together we can explore those pieces and find God in the midst of it. I hope that together we will continue to be a church where people who are missing a piece, missing maybe the most important piece, will find it here at our church with you. According to the date that I wrote in this Bible, two days from now, July 11th, it will be 11 years since I sat under that tree and looked out around me and began a new, beautiful adventure. 
And today, standing here, looking out on all of you, feels very, very much the same. And all I can say is, praise the Lord, oh my soul. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.